New Chicago Bears offensive coordinator Shane Waldron got an awkward endorsement from one of his former Seattle Seahawks wide receivers. But that doesn't mean we need to start panicking about the new coach the Bears hired to run their offense. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow Locked On Bears on all of your favorite social media platforms, including the Locked On Bears YouTube channel, where you can keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. On the show today, we break down new Chicago Bears offensive coordinator Shane Waldron and a less than ringing endorsement from one of his Seattle Seahawks wide receivers, Jackson Smith and Jigba. And why, yes, it's it's not nothing. We can't just ignore it and say, oh, that doesn't mean anything. No, it's got some substance and some value to it. But I just think it's important that we put the right context on it and understand like what happened in Seattle versus what Shane Waldron is going to bring to Chicago and how we might look at Shane Waldron objectively and try and set the, our expectations properly. I also want to touch on some brief Chicago Bears stadium updates with Kevin Warren really locking in that this is going to be a fixed roof dome stadium in Chicago with the possibility to host a Super Bowl at some point down the line as well. But let's start with what everyone was talking about coming out of the Super Bowl on Radio Row. Our friends over at CHGO, Adam Hogue and Mark Carmen got to interview Seattle Seahawks wide receiver Jackson Smith Jigba as part of a a sponsorship partnership that JSN has, I think, with with Bounty Paper Towel. And while they had him, he's like, hey, you know, they were asking about Justin Fields and being his teammate at Ohio State. And, of course, he's a Seattle Seahawks wide receiver. So, naturally, you want to ask him about, hey, his offensive coordinator with the Seahawks. And usually when you ask a player this kind of question, you know, he just says some nice things about his coach and says he was great to work with and I'm wishing him all the best in Seattle. But that wasn't JSN's response at first. Here's what he told CHGO. Bears fans are super interested about the offensive coordinator coming in, Shane Waldron. What can you tell them about who they just hired to, to uh, try to get this offense where it needs to go? Um, uh, oh. this, is, this is live? Yeah. <laughs> We're not live. We're not live. I'm playing. Um, <laughs> uh, good luck to y'all. I mean, he, he's, a, he's a great person, great offensive coordinator. I was very lucky to have him my first year. Learned a lot from him. Um, I think he's going to, I think him and Justin will mesh well and, um, you know, adding more guys around him, uh, I think it would be great. So we'll see. Again, that clip, courtesy of our friends at CHGO, the question there by Mark Carmen and Adam Hogue, and clearly a not strong endorsement there of Waldron, a long pause, the um, the television classic, are we live as though like, Hey, I want to make sure I'm careful with what I say here kind of thing. And then eventually finds his way back into the coaching platitudes of like, 
yeah, you know, I had a good time or whatever. And But even the things he did end up saying after the long pause and trying to find words there weren't even like specifically that ringing of an endorsement of Sean Shane Waldron. He just kind of said nice things, but didn't say specifically like he was a great coach or he was all this. Like, yeah, I learned some stuff from him and stuff, but it was very much like the bare minimum nice things you might say about a coach just because you don't want to be that guy who publicly, you know, talks bad about him or anything like that. So very easy to read between the lines there and feel like Jackson Smith and Jigma, maybe not the biggest Shane Waldron fan. And so right away, Bears fans jump on that, understandably, and say, "Uh uh-oh, this talented first-round pick wide receiver in Seattle, not a big fan of the offensive coordinator that the Chicago Bears just hired. Did the Chicago Bears get the wrong guy? Is this just an indictment and, oh, no, another bad offensive coordinator coming to Chicago, just repeating Luke Getze and a long line of offensive coordinators? And I think that's a little bit too strong of a reaction in the other side, too. Like, I think... A lot of these things can be true at the same time without it being uh, end of the world catastrophic. That it's probably true that Jackson Smith and Jigba wasn't crazy about how he was used by Shane Waldron last season. Like he, I think his average depth of target last year was like one yard off the line of scrimmage. Like he was not used downfield all that much and probably should have been used downfield more. It's, I think, a, a fair criticism of Waldron's offense that yes, Jackson Smith and Jigba probably not utilized properly. It's also fair to say that. JSN is a rookie who was with Shane Waldron for one season and maybe doesn't have a ton of perspective on offensive coordinators in the NFL. You know, he worked with an offensive system with Ryan Day at Ohio State for a few years and then has worked with Shane Waldron, but hasn't been around the block a ton. He also was number three on that, that, that depth chart, right? And some of the way JSN was used can be a product of having DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett also on your offense. And those guys being a higher priority, more of a focus to get them the ball than it is to get JSN the ball. And by the way, like JSN had 600 yards catch receiving this season. It wasn't like he did nothing as, as a rookie. And so like, I, I think it can be both true that JSN has valid criticisms of Waldron and also that, you know, that doesn't mean Waldron is a terrible hire or not going to be a good potential coach for the Chicago Bears. Like usually in these interviews, you get players that will just lie and say those platitudes, whether they feel differently or not, whether they like the coach or not, usually a little more experienced player who's done more interviews will just say the nice things up front and not have the pause and then the um and then the are we live. They'll just get right to the generic boring answer where they don't really say anything and we don't even know we're none the wiser. So I appreciate the almost honesty from JSN and it does, I think it raises a valid question, a valid red flag, but it can be, we can be like, Hey, wait a minute. That's a question about Shane Waldron without it extending all the way to, Hey, wait a minute. That means he's a bad hire and that the bears got the wrong guy. And that JSN is warning us all that disaster is coming in Chicago. I think it's important to keep in mind that, what Shane Waldron did in Seattle will not be exactly the same as what he does in Chicago and that coaches are not static individuals that just are robots that plug players in and do the same thing all over again. So we'll take a look at why things will be different in Chicago and what we should really be keeping an eye on with Waldron, but what JSN said and other things in Seattle that we should really be focusing on and a little less on whether or not this rookie wide receiver wasn't thrilled with his usage next 
on Locked on Bears. This episode of Locked on Bears is brought to you by Nissan. Are you the kind of driver that likes to push things a little bit further? Or you ever wonder what adventure could be around the next corner? Our friends at Nissan have a lineup of SUVs with capabilities to take your adventure to the next level. When I was down at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama, I rented a brand new Nissan Rogue. And the 2024 Rogue is perfect for city drives and great escapes. It's super comfortable to drive in. You sit up nice and high. The steering wheel is at a great distance. I'm a person with longer legs. There was plenty of leg room for me as well. All the bells and whistles on the center console, the radio, the, the adaptive cruise control and everything around the dial. It was great. And the 2024 Rogue is the perfect mid-size crossover for your next adventure. But if you want to go even bigger, how about the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with room up to eight with an expansive cargo capacity and advanced four by four capability. We're talking up to 6,000 pounds towing so that the Pathfinder is always there to answer the call to adventure. Take the Nissan Rogue or the Nissan Pathfinder and go find your next big adventure. Shop NissanUSA.com. So Jackson Smith and Jigma might not have loved Shane Waldron and not every player on every offense loves their offensive coordinator, whether they're good or bad. And I'm, again, I'm not here to say JSN is wrong and Shane Waldron is the perfect offensive coordinator. We've heard, we've heard on this podcast before from Corbin Smith from Locked on Seahawks, who's had his complaints about Shane Waldron and wasn't terribly in love with the job Waldron did in Seattle. Like I've kind of said all along, Waldron can come to Chicago and if he's just an average offensive coordinator, that's great. Like if you just get an average guy in here that does an average job, that's as good as you can hope for in the NFL right now where no one likes their offensive coordinator. Like, that's just like a thing. So if you can get a guy who at least does a decent job, I'm fine with that. And you hope for above average, you aim higher. But like, I think Waldron can be that guy because you have to keep in mind what he does in Chicago will not be the same as what he did in Seattle. Like, obviously, he's going to have a different quarterback situation, likely Caleb Williams, but maybe Justin Fields, not Geno Smith. I mean, there's already differences in, in what that looks like. But in general, like very different personnel. He'll have DJ Moore and we don't know what other wide receivers he's going to have. He'll have Cole Komet. We don't know what other tight ends he's going to have. We don't know what this offensive line is going to look like. But even beyond the players, he's going to have a very different coaching staff in Chicago. Not the same quarterbacks coach, although his quarterbacks coach here was on that staff, but a different wide receivers coach, a different offensive line coach, tight ends coach, et cetera. Like it's a different offensive coaching staff around Shane Waldron. Like it's not just going to be you pick up everything that did in Seattle, move it over to Chicago, drop it down next to the lake and run that same thing here. And so I, I kind of kind of feel, find myself feeling like if the worst thing about Shane Waldron is that his rookie number three wide receiver only had 600 yards and was upset about it then I think you're doing pretty good with your offensive coordinator. Like if that's our biggest complaint, that darn, that number three rookie wide receiver wasn't perfectly happy. I will take that 10 times out of 10. That would make you one of the best offensive coordinators in the NFL and one of the best offensive coordinators we've had with the Chicago Bears. Sure, it's a good point by JSN that we should keep an eye on how these wide receivers are used. Make sure that is Shane Waldron using these players and putting them in the best position to be successful? Now, you can only put so many players in the best position to be successful at the same time without it being competing. Like, you know, eventually, like, somebody's got to be first in the progression. Somebody's got to be second in the progression. Somebody's got to be third in the progression. And third in the progression might not be that third guy's best position to be successful, but it's about putting the offense in the best position to be successful. And sometimes, 
you have to sacrifice. And if JSN goes from being one of the premier feature guys at Ohio State to being a third or fourth option at Seattle, maybe you're not as thrilled by how that feels. But again, when you got DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, it's a little bit hard to argue that JSN needed the ball more than than those guys. So if you look at Chicago, you got DJ Moore, and say you sign a receiver or you draft, you know, Romeo Dunze or or neighbors in the first round, right? And all and you got Cole Komet and maybe you bring in another tight end all of a sudden, like you're gonna have a lot of different options to move the ball too. And maybe that number three wide receiver in the offense, Tyler Scott, might not feel like, you know, he's getting the same opportunity. It's it's, it's all that sort of thing, right? It just kind of depends on what players you have and making sure that as long as your offense is succeeding and you feel like your most talented players are getting utilized to their most talent, then that's kind of what you need from your offensive coordinator. So like based on the JSN stuff, like I think it's valid to keep an eye on the off the wide receiver usage and how he uses, utilizes the personnel that he has to squeeze the most out of them. But I'm not ready to like make that assumption that, okay, that means he's a bad offensive coordinator or, or he'll be a bad hire. Like when you look at the Seattle Seahawks offense, what Seahawks fans complain about more so than how Jackson Smith and Jigbo was used, but people talk about maybe some red zone struggles and occasionally on third downs. And I've seen a lot of people say, okay, well, the Seahawks offensive line was injured a lot this season and struggled. And maybe the running backs were a little bit kind of boom or bust with Kenneth Walker and, and Zach Charbonnet and that those things were kind of holding them back at times. And to me, like, I want an offensive coordinator who can overcome those things or can adapt around those things. Like, sure, you haven't even seen Patrick Mahomes be able to fully overcome terrible offensive line play. Like, he's even he has struggled at times with it. You can only do so much with bad personnel, but like, I want to see Shane Waldron adapt. I want to see Shane Waldron stay ahead of the curve there. Okay, we're struggling in pass protection. What can we do? Can we get the ball out quicker? Can we run screen plays? Can we run the ball more? Can we get some play action? Can we get some rollouts? Like respond to where the offense is struggling or where the offense has weaknesses and try and do things from a coaching schematic and, and play calling standpoint to overcome those weaknesses while still trying to maximize your strengths. Much easier said than done. And not it's a, that's a high bar there to be able to overcome if you have a bad offensive line. And ideally, you just have a decent offensive line, and then it's not so impossible for an offensive coordinator. But I always like to try and keep in mind, with any coach, we always kind of think like, okay, this coach did this at his previous stop, so he's going to do the same thing here. Or this coach did this last year, so he's going to do the same thing next year. Whether it's Shane Waldron as an offensive coordinator coming over from the Seattle Seahawks and having been with the Rams before that and a few other teams around the NFL, or whether it's a guy like Matt Eberflus as well. like We forget that coaches, just like players, develop, and they get better, and they get worse as their career goes on. I mean, it's different because there's not the physical aspect of it where older players start to drop off and, and younger players get more, even even more physically impressive. Like there's not that aspect of it, but coaches learn and grow, or at least the good ones are, are constantly learning and growing. And so you see even guys like Kyle Shanahan with the San Francisco 49ers, like Ben Solak at The Ringer just had a great article yesterday about how Kyle Shanahan is no longer running the Kyle Shanahan offense. Like everyone, like Shane Waldron come here trying to recreate the Kyle Shanahan offense. They're trying to recreate something that Kyle Shanahan himself is no longer even doing the same way. Like it's all about growing, changing, adapting, and innovating. And that's what we need to see Shane Waldron do. And that's what we need to see Matt Eberflus do. And that's what we didn't see Luke Getze do enough of, right? Year one, he changed the offense for fields and it worked. But then year two, they went back. 
to the previous offense that wasn't working, and then they try to change it back, and before it ended up being too late, right? I mean, it's that kind of thing. You need to stay up with it. Matt Nagy and Bill Lazor, too. Like, they try to make Mitch Trubisky and then Justin Fields, like, fit into this offense, not adapting to the players and innovating and staying ahead of things, but just trying to make the same thing work. We saw Matt Eberflus change up his Bears defense this season and save his job as a result. And we need Shane Waldron to have that same sort of creativity and flexibility with this Bears offense. And that's how we'll really be able to judge whether or not this was a good or bad offensive coordinator hire. Not exactly just did JSN like him. It's important evidence and not something that we can just completely disregard as just some you know, ignorant rookie player who's too young to know any better or whatever. But at the same time, we can't put all of our stock in what he said either. Either way, Shane Waldron is coming to a Bears team that for now, he'll have to adapt to a lot different Chicago weather than he was dealing with in Seattle. But in the future, bear weather may no longer be a thing as we got really like final confirmation that a dome, not a retractable roof, but a fixed Dome Stadium is coming whenever the Chicago Bears build their new stadium. But we'll get an update on where that stadium could be and why it's going to be a fixed roof dome and how this all plays into the Bears' plans moving forward next on Locked on Bears. This episode of Locked on Bears is brought to you by Robinhood. Did you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement, you can still have an IRA? Robinhood has the only IRA that gives you a 3% boost on every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood Gold. But get this, now through April 30th, Robinhood is even boosting every single dollar you transfer in from other retirement accounts with a 3% match. That's right, no cap on the 3% match. Robinhood Gold gets you the most for your retirement thanks to their IRA with that 3% match. This offer is good through April 30th. Get started at Robinhood.com slash boost. Subscription fees apply. And now for some legal info. Claim as of Q1 2024 validated by Radius Global Market Research. Investing involves risk, including loss. Limitations apply to IRAs and 401ks. 3% match requires Robinhood Gold for one year from the date of the first 3% match. Must keep Robinhood IRA for five years. The 3% matching on transfers is subject to specific terms and conditions. Robinhood IRA available to U.S. customers in good standing. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC is a registered broker-dealer. We've known for a while that a dome was likely in the plans for the Chicago Bears, but there was some question as far as what that would look like. Could it be a retractable roof so that you could still play outdoor games for Chicago Bears weather and kind of give you some flexibility with this stadium? And certainly we're not sure where it's going to be or what that project ultimately is going to look like. But we got a more concrete update from Chicago Bears team president Kevin Warren this week in a letter he sent out to season ticket holders in which it wasn't like a ton of substance to it but the main point he made in this in this letter was like listen we are we are exploring the plans for a stadium that will have what he's calling a fixed roof dome in the stadium meaning not retractable. It is a permanent roof. The next Chicago Bears stadium will be indoors. And I can already hear the the pushback of, you know, Chicago Bears football needs to be played outside. It's Chicago Bears weather. The cold, the, the elements, the wind is a home field advantage for the Bears that you miss out on if you put a dome on the stadium. And I do think there's some validity to that. 
but I think it's also becoming less and less important and a little bit more outdated, especially as I think the Bears aim a little bit higher than that. A couple things here. One, if you need the weather, the temperature, the wind, the precipitation to give you a boost to beat the opponent, then you are not very good. You should be able to beat the opponent without having a specific weather advantage. Don't get me wrong. Take every advantage you can get. I get that for sure. It's not like it's not like they have to rely on it per se. But at the same time, like if you're feeling like this is going to affect the Bears' ability to win or lose football games, then you have bigger problems than the Dome, right? You should just be good enough to beat the other team straight up with or without the elements as a potential advantage to you. The other thing is like, you know, we, we think about toughness and then are the Bears going to be a team that's prepared to go on the road in December and January and February if they're playing at home in a dome all the time? And I can't help but look slightly to our northeast and see the Detroit Lions as a longtime dome team that certainly does not struggle with toughness and doesn't seem to struggle with going on the road and playing in the cold. Like, sure, maybe they're not as used to it as a team like the Green Bay Packers, who are going to continue to play outside for the foreseeable future. But at the same time, I think it leads you to better football, and it leads you to a position where your players in a dome, in a, in a more controlled setting, can play their best, and it can truly be your best football players against their best football players playing their best football so that the better football team wins. Like, that's, at the end of the day, as cool pun not intended, as the cold weather is and the snow and the wind and stuff. Like, I I totally get it. I've, I've been to games at Soldier Field. I was at two games at Soldier Field this year. This year, It's cold and it's windy. And personally, like, I won't mind having an indoor stadium, but, like, it's definitely a factor when the Arizona Cardinals come to play and it's a chilly day, although that one wasn't as chilly in that game. Like, it's a, it's a factor. But, like, let's beat them straight up by being a better football team and not worry so much about about the, you know, the, the weather impact in the game. Like, this is all about functionality, not only for the fan experience, which I think can be better when you're not freezing your butt off in the dome and you can, you know, you can really kind of have a more enjoyable indoor game day experience. You can still tailgate out in the cold all you want. Absolutely. But like once you're inside, you know, you're not miserable in the stands. You can be louder and more involved in the game. Like that's certainly when trap more sound in the stadium as well. But this is, this is about more than just bears games for the team. It's about hosting other events inside that dome year round to be able to do more things. But even more importantly than that, hosting a Super Bowl. And NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell spoke at the Super Bowl in Las Vegas this week and was asked, I think by Jarrett Payton, about the Bears stadium process and the potential for holding a Super Bowl there. And obviously he's not in a position to like guarantee, yes, if the Bears build a dome, we're going to give them a Super Bowl. But he essentially said like, yeah, the Raiders built a nice dome here and it got them a Super Bowl. That's going to be really important for Chicago, whether it's in Arlington Heights or in downtown Chicago, for them to be able to get a dome and be able to host big events like this. So it's more or less saying like, yes, get that dome and the Bears will be in consideration to host a Super Bowl. And how cool would it be for the Bears to host a Super Bowl? I mean, even if they're not in the game themselves, just to if you live in the city of Chicago to have the Super Bowl in town is such a cool thing to be around. If you've never been to one of the, like the, I mean, you remember the draft was in Chicago, or even if you don't live in Chicago, if you've ever had, you know, if you've ever been to the combine for in, in Indianapolis or the senior bowl in Mobile, when the NFL does these big live events, it takes over a town and you're really engulfed in football around you. And it's a really cool thing. 
It's just a matter of whether that Super Bowl would then be in downtown Chicago or in Arlington Heights out in the suburbs, which would be two different levels of cool experiences. But but beyond that point, the Bears, as it currently stands, are kind of at a standstill. The Bears are looking to get some kind of public investment of a significant amount from Arlington Heights, from the city, from the, you know, the community in order to facilitate the building of a stadium there. And there seems to be a, a divide there. Uh, understandably, these stadium deals always have massive controversy and whether taxpayers in the area feel like they should be paying their tax dollars towards the building of a giant stadium from a wealthy NFL team that also does have a lot of money and whether or not that t- those tax dollars could be better used towards funding other things. I mean, it's it's the oldest, but well, not the oldest debate in sports, but it's a it's a long running debate in major professional sports. So then you've got the Chicago Bears coming back to the city of Chicago, new mayor, new team president, having renewed conversations there. And the latest push is that the Bears could build something to the south of where Soldier Field is now, build a giant indoor stadium there, a big complex and it would be, you know, could be a whole sort of like entertainment district with the Dome Stadium right near where the current Soldier Field site is. So, well, for a while it felt like Arlington Heights was destiny, that that's where this was for sure going to go. Then Ted Phillips leaves, Kevin Warren comes, Lori Lightfoot leaves, uh, new Chicago mayor whose name I can never remember, and I'm not going to come up with it right now. I, I, I don't pay close enough attention to Chicago city politics to remember. It's a generic name. It's like something Johnson or Jones or something. Regardless, new Chicago mayor comes in, all of a sudden talks deteriorate a little bit with Arlington Heights and talks pick back up with Chicago. And now it's anybody's guess where this stadium is going to go, but we know it's going to have a fixed roof dome. It's got the potential to host a Super Bowl, and it's still five plus years away before we really get anything real moving on a Soldier Field. So still plenty of time to get to Soldier Field in the coming season. Certainly, we're going to be breaking down more and more Bears games at Soldier Field as we go throughout the years here, right here on the Locked On Bears podcast. So make sure you hit that subscribe button on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's going to be the best way to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Come on back tomorrow. We're going to be joined by Larry Dyer from Bears Talk Underground, and we're going to talk about new Chicago Bears Hall of Famers Devin Hester and Mongo McMichael, and I guess technically Julius Peppers, also as a Chicago Bear. That's that's the report as it stands right now. We'll see as that officially comes out Thursday night, but that'll be the Friday podcast here on Lockdown Bears. So come back and walk down memory lane with memory lane with us on tomorrow's podcast, and we'll be sure in exchange that we'll give you another opportunity to bear down.